Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Dave original podcast. This podcast contains bad language, but come on, we're all adults here. What's your problem? Jordan Brooks. Look at what you've done. I'm Jordan Brooks, a comedian and professional trauma merchant. You might know me from that guy you saw at that gig who you hated, but your friend for some reason absolutely loved. This week, my guest is Desiree Birch. She's all over the telly, appearing on the likes of Taskmaster, Frankie Boyle's New World Order and 8 Out of 10 Cats. We cover her horror film fueled upbringing. If I let anything hang over the edge of the bed, it would be devoured by morning. What she's learned about life and love. I don't think that we are capable of taking away the magic from love. And her now infamous self-help book. I created the book she had to wipe her ass with. I'm joined by Desiree Birch. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, actually. Not for any particular reason. One must assume that you were born. I made it through the wilderness. Somehow I made it yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> so you made it through the wilderness of the womb and you popped uh-huh. out. Where, where, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Los Angeles, California. And um, apparently uh, I came out and went right to sleep, which I think sh- I, speaks well of me. Like I was just like, I'm going to need a nap if I'm going to deal with all of this. I've had nine months of sleeping. Do you know what? Yeah, you know what? Just time. just a quick catnap. Also, it was eleven thirty at night. I was not even one year old. So okay, way past my bedtime. You had a functioning body clock. Yeah. What was your first thought? Do you remember having a thought as a baby? Did you ever think, "Oh, great, I'm well up for this"? <laughs> I have never thought that about anything, <laughs> Jordan, in my life. Thank you so much for thinking that I came out that positive about things. <laughs> I mean. 
I like one of my earliest memories is I, I uh, being on the floor. I mean, it makes sense for a baby, but like I would have been like three or four or something. And my younger brother and I used to sleep with my mom and she used to sleep on the floor because that was more comfortable to her than beds. So we would just sleep on the floor. So it's like of being sideways next to this blanket that she still has on the floor. You know what I mean? There's something about being on the floor where you're just like, so far, this is as low as I can go. And there is a comfort about that. Mm. That's dark for so a, a, you know. So we so even as a baby, you were enjoying, you were luxuriating in the void. Yes, yes. I think I think that a good chunk of my life has been reckoning with the fact that I'm in it. So wait, you were asleep on the floor, and there was a perfectly usable bed. Yes, yes. What? And your mom? Yes. And your mom went? No, she's got Which to learn. Is, nah, knowing my mom. A little bit. Like, I don't know if she would consciously utter that to herself, but I think underneath she'd be like, this is this is real. That bed, that's a bed of lies. I mean, I don't know. I think it was a good bed. I just know she liked firm mattresses. Maybe it was too soft. I don't know. It was a middle Goldilocks bed. But, like, I also just, I don't know. I think she just, like, trusted the floor. <laughs> Sounds so strange. I get it. Beds are shady. Floor, don't lie. You may not like floor, but floor will tell you what like it is every time. That's so true. <laughs> Ghosts can't hide under floor. No, Monsters no, can't they hide can't. under floor. Under but floor. my God, can they congregate under, the bed. under a bed? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything's under there. How are you with horror movies? Are you okay with them? I really like them. They're the only films that me and my girlfriend can watch okay. for some reason. So we can't watch anything else. So it's all it's pure horror. So I've watched <laughs> a lot of... I really like the ones where it's not just spooky, but it's also a metaphor for grief or mental illness. Yes. I mean, I think the horror genre contains a lot of, like, beauty and the mysteries of the universe, but you just, like, have to get through all the slashing and weird sea monsters. And I'm very um, reactive. Like, I can't watch action films because people get shot in them, and then I go, like, Ugh! in the theater, and people turn around, like, really, lady? So I I respect <laughs> horror. Why is that? When Why I is see... that? What, do you, what is it? Do you just, just feel I an insane feel empathy it. with the yes. characters? Yes, I do. I just, I'm I'm a very easy audience member. Suspension of disbelief right away. I'm in it. Like, you know, what's going on? We're all the same. I believe in you. You're my guy. Oh, no, you just got slashed up. I should have bet on a better horse. Like, as with everyone, I think, who grew up in the 80s, who had that fear of letting anything hang over the bed uh, because of the monsters, but because of this film called The Gate that came out in, like, the 80s, I just firmly believed that if I let anything hang over the edge of the bed, it would be devoured by morning. Um, and I believe this for an absurdly long time. Like, into double digits, I think. <laughs> Even though I knew it wasn't true. Oh, so I remember believing in everything for years. Just so I can get a picture in my head. Your mom was, was making you sleep on the floor and watch these horrific <laughs> horror films about monsters that could devour your toes in the night. So... I was uh, like a latchkey kid of the 80s, basically like they gave me a key on a shoestring around my neck and they were like, fend for yourself. And both of my parents were at work all the time, which means I was babysat by a television set. So, you know, when my mom got home from work, we'd have to change the channel from watching things like Married with Children because she thought that was like a, you know, horrible influence of a show and blah, 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 blah. Like, and we'd have to change it to something that was acceptable. But it, like during the hours she wasn't around, Oh, it was like 
all bets were off. And there was a portion of my young life in which she worked graveyard shift. There was like all this extra time when she was at work that we were just like, ah, and watching anything. Also, my dad... um, terrible parenting skills, like just let us watch whatever sitting next to him. Like I distinctly remember watching the original Predator film at like eight or nine. My first cuss word came out during that time because I saw a man get eviscerated and I went, holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) I think that's on your dad. You you say you've got a brother. Yes, I've got um, a younger brother and then I have an older brother and sister. So, uh, but there's like a big gap between us. So they were kind of like in high school and like early college. They kind of babysat us, but also they were teenagers, which means they like peaced. You know what I mean? They were like, you guys are fine. Okay, great. Bye. You know? Yeah, you want to watch Hellraiser? um, Fine. Yeah, great. I mean, as long as we're watching Hellraiser, we're not out in the middle of the street getting killed by cars, right? So, (laughs) it (laughs) is. So fine. It's the only thing. Know? I mean, that's the only reason why we make films. I think is to stop people getting hit by cars, yeah. <laughs> keep people in one place and busy for a couple yeah. of hours. Did you find that watching a lot of films and TV and stuff and having this like free access to all this stuff? Did it? How did it shape your developing mind? Oh my god, it entirely shaped my developing mind. Like, I definitely think I'm a comedian and a performer because that's what I watched. You know? Yeah, it wasn't like the early 19th century and people being like, "Oh, I really want to get on Instagram." You know, what is this TikTok <laughs> thing? Like, people. <laughs> It's like when people go, oh, we didn't used to have iPhones and we used to just play games in the street. And I'm like, yeah, but if you had an iPhone, you would absolutely yeah. have been staying inside yes. playing Flappy Bird. Yes, you would be bored to tears by playing in the street with people that you barely <laughs> liked anyway and were just associated with because they lived around the corner. You know, like all the people that we would play with in the street are like people I haven't spoken to in at least 30 years. Do you know what I mean? Like we have nothing to say to each other. So you had older, older brothers and sisters and... um was that was that weird sort of growing up with i guess like siblings who who were already kind of way ahead of you in life it was great to have older siblings cuz like they were close and you could kind of be like oh that one's messing it up <laughs> <laughs> though I'm eight, I can tell, you know, (laughs) or like, or like my brother had like all these hot friends that like (laughs) I started having my like first feelings about when I was probably like, you know, 11, 12. So were you a funny, were you a funny kid? Were you a funny, funny growing up? Yeah. Yeah. But I was a funny kid because I was a fat kid. And if you want to survive as a fat kid, you better be funny. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise you're just going to get dumped on constantly. Like you just have like... I remember being in kindergarten and having the second grader because we were in this little fence, like we were in this little pen, the kindergartners, and then the other, like, you know, like first through fifth grade was around us. And, you know, I would be in there and I was the fattest kid in kindergarten. I was the fattest kid in all of my years, just like, you know, so we all know that. Is that something when you're growing up that you just, you just know? Do you look around the room and go, oh, no, it's still me? No, you know that because you are told by your family first. (laughs) If you're a woman, your mother goes, you're fat. It's a problem. We got to fix it. It's still one of the like last bastions of just pure hatred in terms Mm. of if somebody wants to knock you down, it's the first and last thing they need to say. And they're just like, you know, because they're essentially being like, you're worthless. Shut up. So I, I do remember specifically this one day, like it just it was very mechanical, like the little puzzle pieces fit into place 
where I was doing some weird making faces, doing weird stuff by the fence because the kids had like come out of for their recess and we were still out for our recess and I wasn't playing with anyone. And like all these weird Kool-Aid ring around their mouth kids were like, and I went over there and I was like making fun of them and like making weird faces. And this like weird kid with like a rat tail was like, she's funny. And I just remembered, I was like, oh my God, they're pointing and laughing, not at me, but because of me. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, boom, got it done. Do not need to be told twice. This will always work forever (laughs) and ever. Amen. So (laughs) it was just always part of what I did to ingratiate myself to anyone in any room I walked into because it meant that the topic of conversation was me being funny or interesting or charming and not me being fat and somehow a problem. I had a similar experience where I had bad acne and I started trying to be the funny guy uh, and I made one joke about another kid but no one laughed and the kid immediately punched me in the (laughs) face. What was it like growing up in LA? Growing up in the LA area Everything is about Hollywood. Everybody you meet, like, you know, has a script or is writing something or is an actor or, you know, you know, like works behind the scenes or is trying to. And so if that is the that's the the sort of organizing value system around things, then it's kind of like you're either in it and you're achieving or you're a failure and you're doing anything else, you know. Wow, that must, that's, a not, that's a strange environment to grow up in, isn't it? Because I imagine LA is like being a, a sort of industry event where everyone's putting on a front, everyone's trying to present their best possible selves, they're trying to talk up their accomplishments. There's a front to a lot of it. Yeah. What does that do to your brain when you're growing up in that world? It makes you desperate to get the fuck out of it. <laughs> like, you know, you've been to those parties and you're like, what limb do I have to chew off to get out of here? It's weird. Because I'm like, it was definitely very sort of damaging to myself sense of self-worth and esteem. But then again, like that just prepared me for now where everybody's trying to look like Instagram. So like, it's not any different. It's just weird that it's everywhere else too. Cause when I was growing up mm. very early on, I realized I'm like, I'm going to have to get out of here. In my adult life, I've continued to move like further and further east because as the weather gets worse, the people get more humane, you know? (laughs) So like I went to school on the East Coast and I went to New York and then I like people here. I love British people because you're like the weather's shit and we're desperate. (laughs) I can relate to that feeling of like, ah, it sucks. (laughs) It really just was like, it just felt empty. So I spent most of my young life being a total escapist and waiting until I could finally go somewhere else and like live. Let's talk about first first loves relationships. What uh, do you did you do you remember the first time you fell in love? I mean, fell in love. You know, the problem with falling in love is that it gets redefined by every new, you know, like I don't know that I fell in love in high school. I just had like massive crushes. Um I, uh, like, you know, I think that the first time that I felt thought I had fallen in love was, like, well into my adult life, like 30, you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) So, like, the people that I liked before were just sort of... um, So, like, the first guy I remember in high school that I liked 
was this dude called Aaron, and he was on mock trial with me. <laughs> Good old mock trial. Although I was What's like mock a trial. Do you guys have that here? I mean, it's like a forensics type of thing, but it's like it's like pretend lawyers. You know what I mean? But it's like it's like debate, but it's like it with a, in a courtroom. So like you're arguing for or against a thing, but like they call it mock trial rather At than school. You know? Yes. Yeah. So this was like this is like high school. So you put another child on trial and decide whether or not to convict them. And then do they have to be in mock prison for the rest of their lives? <laughs> yeah, no, it would be more like um, issues or ideas, you know, and a for and against kind of side, you know. It was for, right, it was for like, like the nerds. dilemma. Yes, exactly. Right. And he was like one of the, I was sort of like a, a, sub, a substitute, like, you know, come at me, but he was like. Substitute lawyer. I was a paralegal who was very flustered with like an attache full of papers that meant nothing to her. But he was like <laughs> a lawyer. It's great that you fleshed out your character. <laughs> Imagine if I worked as a as a paralegal, that would be my recurring nightmare. Like, you know, when you're an actor or a comedian, there's always a nightmare that you have that's very bespoke to your career. And if I were a paralegal, it would just be me having to run into court and they'd be like, Desiree, go and I just have to <laughs> be running through an endless flurry of papers. But he was like one of the lead lawyers. He was like a year above me, and he was just like he was just like a tall, brown-haired ectomorph, like a guy, like my type. The type of guy I was cas- into. I don't think I've ever seen someone casually describe someone as an ectomorph. <laughs> but that's exactly my type. Like, like the kind of guy. Term you used to describe, like that. That's, you, you, know, you just went, oh, there's, because- a, there's a. There's a- <laughs> There's a man and he's an ectomorph. If you know what it means, then you know exactly what he looks like. He's the kind of yeah, guy who totally. probably got a collapsed lung in high school because he grew too long too fast. <laughs> like, those are the guys. So what did you say to him? Did you, did you just, you just said, hey. I can't remember. I didn't do like do a wanna, Do you want to take this trial dance? to the bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> take this trial to the streets? I don't know. No, I, I wish that I could remember what I said. Like these days, you know, it's all high school musical and everybody's doing like mm. a 30 person dance or whatever to ask somebody out to prom. I just was like, do you want to go to Warner Formal? And he was like, no. <laughs> but did you feel heartbroken? Did you feel... I I did feel sad. I did feel sad. It sucked. Like, it was one of those, like, okay, like, thanks for being so cool about it. Like, super professional. Like, you know, you're a local realtor. He was playing the lawyer role. And he was like, no, I mustn't. I'm a married man with three children. Of course I can't date you. (laughs) Very professional. It's like, I passed a note across to him with my final offer, and he rejected it. (laughs) And we shook hands and parted the best of friends. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do remember being, like, cut up about it, but... It's really interesting when you have like a clean break, the getting over it is so much easier. Like twice my life later, probably, when I thought I was really in love with this guy, um, you know, we had spent like a year like not doing anything. Like I think we hooked up once during that time, but mostly he was just like holding my hands and calling me up late at night and then like not being my boyfriend. And like women and gay men all understand what this relationship is because it's like the non-relationship where you're like, I'm your nothing, but like it feels like I'm everything to you except for like yeah. you're not doing shit about it. There's there's all those sort of unanswered questions. Yes, this is constant that they open question. Pur- purposefully leave unanswered because mm. they're getting all this milk and they're just friends with the cow. 
but they always kind of keep it on this uneven footing of like being confused because that's usually involves some element of narcissism where it's just like, I just adore being adored. I mean, it was basically like, I don't, I thought that I was going to feel some kind of way about you eventually, but I just haven't. And I don't think I ever will. Like, I just am not as into you as you're into me. And I was like, okay. And of course that hurts. And you're like, ow. But then right after ow, you're like, ew. Like, I just remember like the next day just being like, ew, gross. Like, so like, you're not even into me and you did all this dumb stuff with me for like the better part of 13 months. And like, also like, you're dumb. Like, (laughs) just like, ew. With everything with Aaron in high school, like he, he let me down in like the best, most like clear effective, very using his forensic skills, uh, excellent lawyer, no uncertain (laughs) terms, but also like not unkind because that might create some kind of reprisals or a lawsuit later. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's very professional about it. Lawyers are notoriously litigious. Um. (laughs) Yes. If I learned nothing else or got nothing else, I definitely learned like there's a right way to do a thing. And then after that, it was just like every other version of the wrong way for like a clean decade or more. Oh, yeah. But I had like a good example. So you said you you fell in love when you were thirty, or you feel like that was the first time when you 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 got it. You you felt you understood. No, not even then. I think I was like, I think, I I mean, I was a notoriously late bloomer. And I also was the kind of person because um, anybody who struggles with like any kind of issues around self-worth or whatever, or any kind of fucked up family issues, you're constantly transferring those relationship dynamics onto people. So you're constantly, like, if you've been sort of abandoned or rejected or whatever by your family, you're looking for people who are going to reject you Mm. so you can try to win them over because that's all the excitement. So all of those guys that I was in love with were just, like, people who were, like, you know, dangling a carrot somewhere off in the distance. And I was like, I'm going to keep chasing it. And I think that, you know, the first time that I felt love in a requited way was with Ant, the guy I moved here to be with. <laughs> so, you know, that was like 35, you know, that was like, you know, I love you, you love me back. Love should really be taught in schools, like sex education. Yeah. Like yeah. how to put a condom over your heart to protect against wankers. I believe that love is a huge enough thing that teaching people the basics of it. Like, I don't think that we are capable of taking away the magic from love because yeah, yeah. it is it is so much more than the sum of its parts that teaching people what the parts of love are or the ingredients or the whatever, you know, it's like everybody has a love that's slightly different. It's the same with sex education. Like, I think, you know, it's a thing that's in school now, but it wasn't before because they just assumed your parents would tell you. And then we found out that nobody's parents were saying anything, but like, oh, uh, wear a condom, bye, you know? Like, <laughs> so they had to teach it in school. You know, be, a lot of times if you don't have that at home, you know, displayed for you, like, you know, and even if it is displayed for you, you know, like all you're doing is mimicking that. It's it's learning to love yourself. Yes. And, and of course, you know, RuPaul has never lied because you can't <laughs> like, you can't fob the job off on anyone else of loving yourself. And that's what a lot of us really want to do. I'm like, mm. why should I waste my perfectly valuable time loving myself when some other idiot could do that for me? And th- that <laughs> idiot is you. <laughs> 
<laughs> like when the good people started coming into my life was when I had developed a, a slightly improved relationship with myself. I mean, mm. the good news is because like when you hear that, you're like, oh, fuck, why do I have to do everything? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you can't be loved. You can't love anyone else until you love yourself. And you're like, oh, I've got a stack of self-help books. Like I'm doing so much work. <laughs> and I. I would say, like, it doesn't take much. Like, one thing can really, like, click a dial over mm -hmm. into you treating yourself differently. And that means that you then treat other people differently, which means that you see different things in other people and you also attract different kinds of people. And suddenly it's all different. Like, I I feel like I was stuck for so long in these, anyway, I mean, I, this isn't a show about my love and dating life, but like, there's so many faces. No, but it's so interesting. Thank you. I appreciate, but it's, I mean, it's taken so long to get to that place to like see from a distance where it's like, I was like giving so much away, mm. you know? And like, everybody knows if you see somebody giving something away, you're like, well, that must be worthless. And like, I, you know, I'm with someone now who I am completely in love with. And before I met him, I was like, oh, I'm going to be alone forever. Mm. And I just started operating based on that reality. And, I, you know, and which is great because then people want to come into your reality and you're like, no, thank you. Like, I'm sorted. Like, you know, which is a much better energy to be putting out if you actually want to bag somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I you're the one playing a, games like, here. Yeah. Uh, I need to write a reverse of, like, the game or whatever for women. Yeah. It's like, if you want to meet a guy in a bar, sit there and read a book. Because if you are reading <laughs> a book or you're writing in a journal, you will be interrupted by every man in that bar <laughs> trying to find out everything about you. And you're like, I just came here to drink alone and read alone. But now you've got five phone numbers. Yeah. It's, it will work. I promise. That sounds great. These things sound like cliches, don't they? Oh, you should meditate yeah. more. You should learn to live yourself before you can love, you know, love another person. Unfortunately and really annoyingly, they're all true. Yes, they it's are. All they're all absolutely correct. There's a yes. reason why they have persisted throughout yeah. time. It's really about timing. You just get to the time in your life where you've exhausted pretty much all the other options. And you're like, let's just try this shit then. Like, mm. <laughs> there was this pizza place in New York. I can't remember where it was in Queens, but it was like on their box. I can't, well, let's just say it was called Ray's. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, you've tried the rest. Now give Ray's a chance. <laughs> like, <laughs> now try Ray's for a change. It was something like that. Like they were like, it, instead of being like, try the best, they were just like, just try ours now. Just give this one um, a go, please go on. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. It's like, you've tried everything else and you just give the other one a go and then yeah. you just keep going with it. Yeah. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> So Desiree, in um, 2030, you finally tied the knot mm. with your long-term yeah. partner. Why, yeah. why did it take so long? Yeah, well, you know, uh, we were very hell-bent on buying property in London. So after three or four years of just trying and failing, um, I think 
we both kind of decided, like, are you sure? Mm. And then we spent another couple of years just, like, rampantly dating, betting any other person that we could find. Until we were like, well, well, you tried the rest. Let's give this one a try again. (laughs) So the pair of you went off and slept with as many people as possible to be absolutely certain that it was the right choice. Yeah. Was that not exhausting? Did that not end up causing a lot of injuries, both emotional and physical? There were more physical injuries because, like, part of the reason that we knew we were really meant to be together is because we kept calling each other to, like, compare notes, you know? And then it was the kind of thing where it was like he was in the lead, so I was like, okay, I got to go out and make some real bad mistakes just to catch up. And then I shared those, and he was like, oh, you did that? Well, then I should do that too, (laughs) you know? So it was just this race to the bottom, really. Mm -hmm. And when we finally hit rock bottom, there we both were. That's where you had the wedding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like you want to come to the wedding come down here because really who wants to go to a wedding so it was quite a small affair wasn't it yeah you had two witnesses and and that was it yeah but like the dj was banging so like people (laughs) around outside were like what is happening in this hole like there's a well and the best sounds are coming out of it you know like if you're gonna put money into an affair like do it right i did want a party Mm. so like we had our witnesses um you know we each had a parent remaining you know somebody to give somebody Mm -hmm. to someone else and someone to like, you know, talk absolute rubbish about the other person so that everybody was like, you know, up to speed. And uh, yeah, but the music was on fire. So by the time it got to the reception, the witnesses and the family, they they couldn't be asked. They'd already gone home. So it was no. just you and your husband dancing alone. Yeah. Well, and also just like random stray people on MDMA, like coming down into the well, being like, what's happening in here? Requesting Kasabian. And- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, right? (laughs) So then there was a whole second shift to the wedding where there were just like stray 20-year-olds like, you know, falling in. Like Mm. we made some lifelong friends that night. It was was really better than a wedding because you already know those people. Yeah. And you already know what they're capable of. And if it was anything good, you probably wouldn't be having the boring wedding that you normally would have if you don't have it in a hole with a great dj it sounds like such a lovely day um i mean i've, I've seen i've seen photos of it but unfortunately it's um it was in pitch black so yeah. really hard to make out sometimes very hard you get to a make out shape. what the hell's going on yeah you just see a lot of people gurning yes every so often a glow stick would help you know what i mean there's, there's so much gurning was uh, it sounds like a lovely day and so of course you, you stayed living in london that's right to move any further east is russia mm. you know like there's got to be a limit as the sea water levels rise and uh, the cliffs crumble, the coast crumbles, mm. then you, you you sort of end up becoming more east whether you're moving or not. That's 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 absolutely true. That is absolutely um, true. So even though you stayed in London by the time you were you were sort of 60, you, you, you both were living right on the coast, teetering actually. No one would have ever actually thought that buying a place in like infield would be beachfront property. But <laughs> you know, there you go. At some point, global weirding, you know, yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. it's like if there were anyone left to sell this place to, we'd be rich. But, you know, all those people <laughs> fell into the sea. Um, you know, uh, we started swimming later in our 40s just because we could see the way the uh, the, the tide was turning, you know, so to speak. Your comedy career had, had, had continued. You'd, you'd done a lot of um, you'd, you'd done a lot of touring. You'd also been, I, I know you'd, you'd been previously, you'd been doing a voiceover for a dating show. Is that right? Yes. 
as a result of that, you you ended up getting your own show, didn't you? That you were hosting, um, where it was it was you matchmaking uh, ectomorphs. Yes, exactly, because they're particularly bad about matching themselves. I find that every man six four taller dates somebody who's five two or smaller, mm-hmm. and it just became like not a, an effective use of space. There's been a lot of age gap discourse. Yes, of course, um, and it of had course. moved into height gap discourse. Yes, discourse. Yeah, and so p- people would say anyone three inches higher or lower than their partner, there was something problematic about that. Yes, exactly. But I mean. You know, there also part of that was a bit of a pivot because by the time that we got to really homing in on ectomorphs, there was already a, a, a tall guy, small old lady show. What was the name of that show? It was like my 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 super tall small life. It was something like that. But I mean, that was running for seasons, mm. and we had kind of already peaked. I have to be real. We were just like throwing anything at the wall at that point to see what would work to try to get us more seasons because, you know, I needed to um, build a retaining wall around the house. You'd you'd continue doing that. You, you got more into TV. But of course, you'd, you'd sort of spoken very beautifully about love and relationships. And you felt like around about 60, 65, you, you felt like it was time to to publish that, that wisdom mm. in the form of a self-help book. Yes. Yes. How did you feel when it was almost universally critically panned? Here's the thing. Books went out of style by like 2035, right? So like even trying to create anything in the medium was like a a cry for help Mm. of the sort of uh, last remaining Gen Xers and millennials that were trying to cleave to some semblance of, you know, dignity. You know, I mean, there are some really, really hot Twitter threads. And my publicist really said like, you know, I think this is maybe like a year long thread that you just kind of keep posting to rather than a book. Mm. But I was really beholden of like, no, I really think that young people are 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 thirsty for something that like feels real, like, you know, like paper bound and mm. whatnot. And, and and it turns out they they really weren't. People sort of said that the generations of, of kids had, had forgotten how to read and they didn't know how to concentrate on something for any length of time and that it was a shame mm. that the world had taken this particular shape. But like, I think fair play though. Margaret yeah. Atwood did do some cracking TikToks. Yeah, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Just uh, some of the moves that like nobody knew that that woman had. Yeah, and uh, it's look. amazing that The Handmaid's Tale could be reduced to fifteen second performance piece. <laughs> yeah, and like I have to admit that yes, the book was universally planned, probably because I chose to write it in full words and full sentences. Big and mistake. Emoji, bitmoji, sticker. Like 90% of it, that's how most things are structured these days. By that point, EastEnders was just was just a 10-second barrage of visuals that would tell a story. You know, it was almost like we were sort of just kind of uh, injecting ourselves with entertainment. You know, it's just this sudden blast and we'd understand it. And it's also a great way to get into things like Breaking Bad. You know, if you right. just if you feel excluded from conversation and you just go, I'll be right back. Yeah. And then you pop down to the clinic. Yeah. And they, uh, they inject you with five seasons of, of Emmy Award winning drama. I was so happy when I finally got injected with The Sopranos and The Wire <laughs> so I could go talk to people from 40 years prior to be like, 
that was really good when Tony whacked that guy. And they were like, why are you still talking about this? And I'm like, I'll put it in the book. Don't worry about it. Just buy the book. Please buy the book. It must have been a bit of a a blow because obviously, you know, you felt like you'd spent years accumulating this wisdom and and getting this sense of the world. And you must have been so eager and so excited to put it out there. And then for the world to turn around and go, actually, this is some of the biggest bullshit we've ever heard in our lives. Honestly, one of the biggest sort of knives in the heart was when... Do you remember when the hologram of Joan Didion did the TikTok video of her wiping her ass with the pages of my book? I'll never forget it. Why she posthumously got credit for that. And I got no credit considering Mm -hmm. I created the book she had to wipe her ass with. I don't know. I'm just saying, I know you're not allowed to say you were robbed, you know, but I feel like this always happens with content creators of color. You know, other people get the credit. It is a problem. You know, when books come out now, people people will go, I'll wait for the TikTok. Cheers. What did it do to you as a person who, I, I guess, you know, felt like they understood the world? You spoke earlier beautifully about relationship patterns and learning how to love. Did that not call into question all of those things? Did you not suddenly go, actually, I might have got this wrong. I should have stayed with my first boyfriend at school. Yeah, good old Aaron who rejected me. I definitely should have stayed by his side, honestly, because, I mean, he was, you know, a lawyer for all of those years. Like, I would have been far more wealthy than I ever was making books that nobody reads. I was finally alone again. Uh, you know, I had to to mourn the loss of my love. Uh, mm. But, you know, he always had uh, hypertension and issues, probably because he was arguing with me, which I realized in retrospect, I only made things worse. And me carrying on about, you know, why didn't I get credit for the butt wipe dance? Mm. Like probably didn't help his underlying health conditions. But it turns out um, loving yourself too much makes people hate your guts. Um, And, (laughs) you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm really drawn to your confidence. It's like, don't you know what you wrote was terrible and misleading for people who can still read? Um, Mm. And those 11 people have their lives ruined now. They all ferociously read it like it was a new Harry Potter. Yeah. And by the end of that day, their lives were completely devastated. You know, people went from being in healthy marriages with houses to being homeless and confused. It was a catastrophic shift in gear for for, for people. For a lot of people, you know. And and so, you know, everybody knew someone or knew someone who knew someone who had remembered how to read so that they could read the book. You know, I always wanted to leave a legacy. I just didn't think that it was going to be leaving the world in tatters. You know, it's kind of like um, when there are those cataclysmic events, like I think that there might be like something in a sediment, like Mm. archaeologists will find the layer when Desiree Birch's Help Yourself came out and the world just shat the bed. And of course, they buried all the books with chains and a padlock around it to ensure that no one ever opened and read it. Despite the, the critical pushback, and the damage that you caused and the lawsuits that ensued from people whose lives you had absolutely ruined. You went ahead and released a sequel. Yeah. Well, I actually wrote uh, a couple of different sequels. You know, Mm. that was the one that I released that I thought was going to be... to kind of close the circle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it was either a double down or an undoing of the damage you'd, you'd done. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. It was kind of like, but I don't think that you understood me the first time. And I did take on board the notes about using more emojis um, and, and stickers and whatnot, you know, more and It's a very uh, long gifts. book title, but it, it, it did work. Oh, yeah. It's like from the lady who wrote the book that you wiped your ass with, here are some 
great pieces of knowledge that were pulled mm. out of my ass to be put back on the page. Try wiping your ass with this. Ha, 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 ha. And then winking, kiss, uh, blowing heart face. It was it was beautiful. And it, and it did end up doing way more harm than good, didn't it? I mean, I sold the book for like one pound 70, you know, like that's, that's just like, that's just like, you know, coughing money. That's just like, oh, I dropped mm. this. I'm not pick, bending over to pick it up. That's like nothing. And I did that because I knew that most of the people who were going to read it were the homeless people whose lives that I destroyed, you know, and took away everything that belonged to them. And I, I just wanted to make sure that they had access yeah. to it, you know, and, and not everybody has like a, a Kindle chip in their heads. So I wanted to make sure, you know, they could read it and get some goodness from it. And um, it turns out that wasn't the case. Well, I think you did do some good. You know, I, 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 I think you did uh, right some of your wrongs, and there were a lot of people who did who, who agreed. And, and in you. fact, you did end up having a statue made in your honor. But um, in order to appease those who opposed it, the statue was just very small. Yes, very, very. So you tiny. got a statue, but it was a tiny one. The good thing about a tiny statue is that. When the protesters come to knock it over, they can just put it right back up. Yeah. Like it's not, it's just, it's just, on, it's just like basically on a bench. Like it's not even that big a deal. It's like you can knock it over and protest me anytime you want to. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they've made it out of memory foam. It'll bounce back, <clears throat> you know. And, uh, you know, the, I, I think it will probably set a precedent for statues of, you know, other people who are probably out there doing terrible things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why they didn't build all the Donald Trump statues out of that that seem to permeate the universe and space now. And also, like, anyone who's trying to tear that statue down just looks so silly trying to roll it into the river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with their friends. It's like, you yeah. needed a group of people to do this? Really? And signs? You couldn't have just kicked it. As you'd come, you'd come towards the end of your your life. You were divorced by this point. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your your death because mm. you'd been planning your funeral since you were a child. Yeah. You had your little scrapbook, didn't you, of, of pictures yeah. of coffins and pictures of coffins, pictures of burial spots, the menu plan for the wake. I had certain people who were meant to read poems and, you know, other people to stoke the stories. And Mm. when the flights of Jägermeister would come in, because then you kind of need to change it over into a nighttime thing. But, you know, it had kind of fallen apart to start when the DJ got buried alive because he was a crucial element. Well, you'd built it all around him, really, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah, a, a bit. I mean, you kind of need the undergirding of a score mm. for something that is meant to be that epic because at the end, it was really going to launch into the, like, waiters coming around with the the trays of blotter acid for everyone just to really finally take off into the, the dreamscape that I had woven mm. for them. Um, and then it would have been a three-night party, um, ultimately ending with, uh, you know, my body. Well, look, I left it up to people. I said, look, I, I, I do want the mushroom suit because I think it would be useful to make my body useful. But, um, you know, I know how much people hate me and the legacy I've left. So if you want to put it onto like a set of skateboards taped together and just float it out to see on fire... I want to talk about the nature of your death because it's a strange one, isn't it? You were growing up um, watching a lot of horror films. So you'd seen a lot of people die in fictional yeah. settings. And yeah. with the help of, of Aaron, the, the cosplaying yes. lawyer, um, yeah. you were able to create a scenario where you were horrifically murdered. Yes. So you were actually sort of, you were sort of, co- you were sort of playing the role of victim, but it was a permanent role. 
Yes. So um, I, the reason he wouldn't return any of my calls is because the, the job didn't quite get finished. And I was trying to call him to say I didn't get fully murdered. The mm. guy with the chainsaw stopped because he got to my hip replacement and couldn't get through it because he hadn't brought the right kit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, by the time I actually died, I'd been working at a haunted house for a week and a half. Like, you know, I, I just assumed that this was going to be the rest of my life and I wasn't going to die this way. And then and then to, like, actually die in the haunted house, you know, oh. like, which is like, they all thought I was on drugs. And I was like, no, I was murdered three months ago. I just wasn't fully murdered. And so I thought I'd monetize this because, you know, I mean, like, it's the day and age that we live in, right? If I'd only figured out the chainsaw dance for, like, a TikTok, I might have been able to really make something out of that moment. Um, But alas, no one would have me except for the haunted house. Mm. And uh, I just eventually kind of slumped over in a corner when I was supposed to be saying boo and And It's a a sad way to go, but um, go you did. Now, you're... Your funeral, obviously, we, 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 we've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, who was at your funeral? Well, you know, I mean, Aaron obviously couldn't come, mm. you know, because of him being implicated in my murder. Um, you know, my partner had passed um, and, you know, most of my friends turned their backs on me. Uh, you know, uh, after the the first book, and those who did definitely did after the second. Uh, my younger brother came. Mm-hmm. God bless him. He definitely came through in the end with his his wife and family. And you know, I mean, he wisely instructed them not to look inside of the casket because there's going to be a woman in a weird fungus suit with half of a chainsaw on her, and it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and aside from that, um, there were definitely some protesters, uh, but mm. I, I still appreciate that they came. Best friend Dave came because he was always going to, you know, like you got to have a best friend and they got to love you even when you've asked to be murdered and you've ruined a lot of people's lives, you know, because like he was all set up. He didn't read my book because, I mean, when do your friends ever read your books, come to your shows or do it? Right. Exactly. They're always like, I'll get the next one. And thankfully I didn't ruin his life. So he did come. I'm a firm believer in that the only one who who doesn't know you is you, Mm. you know? You're, you're never going to fully know you. You're on the journey, but everybody else has a different glimpse, a different a different page in the book of who you are. They all have, but they don't know mm-hmm. what that is because most of them don't know what books are anymore. Mm-hmm. And see, I was trying to... Anyway, nobody gets me. Desiree Birch, look at what you've done. That was Desiree Birch, whose toxically misguided ideas of love and relationships inspired the world to never have sex again, resulting in the end of the human race. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. A bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favourite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity in a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh as we get to meet amazing funny people like Kima Bob, Joel Domit, Rhea Lena, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. It's <laughs> bonkers. Hard sell with Josh Jones and Darren Harrier. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.